Chicago, Illinois, and Gumi, South Korea are both more or less in the centers of their countries. And while I'm sure that there are more comparisons between the two, there aren't any that I can think of right now. So moving from the American Midwest to Asia means leaving that which you know and understand and finding yourself surrounded by things that are unknown and mysterious. And one of the first casualties is your ability to rely on your gut. You want to act in a culturally appropriate way, but you must learn how from scratch. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. So I don't eat fish, which is problematic when you live in Korea because they eat a lot of fish surrounded by the ocean. Um, And, you know, in retrospect, maybe I wish I would have just said I was allergic. It would have been an easier pass. Um, But I didn't. And so I just had to explain, you know, over and over again, um, no, I don't eat fish. And I did end up eating some fish because uh, every day at school, there was a cafeteria. And so I was kind of at the mercy of whatever they were serving in the cafeteria. And it was, it was fish, but it was intense fish um, that, you know, it was the whole fish with the eyes and everything. And um, so, you know, there were days where I just ate rice and kimchi for lunch too. This week, guessing people's ages. Finding the Tea Fields by the Grace of School Children, and founding a nonprofit to help orphans. Join us on a journey from Omaha, Nebraska, to Chicago, to Gumi, South Korea, and learning to trust one's gut again. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. Exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them, they are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. So, my name is Lauren Garza. I am from Omaha, Nebraska. That's where I was born, but I was raised in Chicagoland. Um, I'm a foreign service officer currently managing outreach in ECA's Office of Alumni Affairs. Uh, So I participated in the Fulbright program. I was an English teaching assistant in Gumi, South Korea in 2005. I was there for about a year. I just dove in. Um, You know, I knew there would be um, big differences between Korean culture and American culture, um, but I didn't exactly know what those would be or how I would handle them. Um, So I think in the end, the experience was a really interesting one because um, I found that I couldn't, um, I couldn't trust my gut all of the time. Uh, So things, things would happen and, uh, you know, I didn't know the culturally appropriate way to respond. I would know that I needed to do something, but I wasn't quite sure what that would be. So, for example, um, I remember we were all sitting around a table with all of the teachers that I taught with, 
And my principal asked me to go around the table and guess how old everybody was in the room. And that was a really terrifying experience. Do I peg them as young? Is that insulting? Do I peg, you know, I didn't want to peg them as older. Um, so, you know, how do you how do you handle something like that? Uh, and I think I did in the end peg them as younger, which which was probably the best answer. But um, I had so many of those moments where, you know, you just squirm a little bit because you're like, what do I do? What do I say? You know, when I first got there, I remember seeing these huge tall buildings and my first thought was like, is that is that public housing? <laughs> like, what are these huge buildings where there's so many people that live there? And then it dawned on me of like, no, that's just the population density is super high here. Um, and so I think it was things like that over time that, you know, you just kind of build your knowledge as you go. Um, you know, we had six weeks of orientation it was language training, cultural training. You learned how deeply you should bow, um, all that stuff before you're kind of let loose into your community. I was confronted with a class. The classes are are big by you know by American standards. So I would have maybe 40 13-year-old boys in a class. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do with these boys? And it was a lot of classroom management. And I remember calling my sister my first day who's a teacher, and I said, How am I gonna do this? And she gave me some strategies. And then by the end, I just had this really great relationship with my students. Um, just they're really, really great kids. And, you know, they threw me a party and... crazier things were just all the places that I went and I still look back and I'm like how did I get there with so little Korean <laughs> you know we went to these tea fields that we had to take we took a train and then we took a bus and then we took I, I don't even know but it was really by the grace of school children that you know using very very basic English that we were able to get to where we were able to go. But um, yeah, all the all I really saw all parts of Korea. And, you know, I was able to read Korean. I regret not not learning to speak better Korean while I was there. Um, but the ability to read, you know, got me on buses and trains and things like that. Um, but but what an you know, what an empowering experience to be able to to get 
you know, all over a country and, and really get to know people. Um, just, you just have to have the adventurous spirit to do it, I guess. My host mom, not quite a mom, um, not quite a sister, somewhere in between, kind of a cousin slash aunt. Um, but she she really took me under her wing and and made sure made sure that I was doing well and 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 looked out for me and wanted to give me a good experience. Um, and we became really close. She she told me, you know all about her her life and and I think through that experience I really realized that people are are different but people really are the same kind of deep down um she would tell me kind of about the challenges in her marriage she would tell me about the challenges with her 16 year old daughter you know I think Korean moms and Korean kids um fight just as much as American moms and American kids do. Um, you know, she'd tell me about how, you know, her her mother-in-law knowing her, all these things that happen in the United States too. that was really important to me when I was on my exchange um, didn't take place in the classroom that I taught in. It was actually, I um, volunteered at an orphanage uh, that was in the city. We would go um, once a week usually and, and teach the kids. The, the, the kids were grouped into different houses um, within the orphanage. So there was a mom um, and then and then there were I think it kind of depended, but five to ten kids, and they all lived kind of in this apartment flat together. And the the mom um, was responsible for taking care of those kids. And I was four month old baby arrived, and um, you know the other volunteers and I were just astounded and and kind of saddened of how could somebody drop off off their baby. But then, you know, we were we were there with the other caretakers and. Um, and they just took this baby in and and she was immediately kind of taken into a home and, and part of the family and they were so attentive and watching out for her and, um, you know, just seeing them come together to, to take care of, of this child that really, you know, became their own, basically. I mean, I think these kids often stayed until they were until they were 18 and they kind of aged out of the system and went on and did something else. But how um, the women that were there really dedicated their lives to taking care of these kids that needed a home. Um, it was just really, um, really heartwarming. And, you know, we did we did what we could to, to try and provide some English to them. Um, we also... We just started collecting money from people that we knew so we could buy the kids socks at Christmas or bring Santa or take them to 
um, the amusement park, just different little opportunities that they may not be able to have uh, otherwise. And and um, we started, we collected so much that it became kind of a tax liability. So we founded a nonprofit um, that still exists today. I'm not on the board anymore, um, but it's called Kum, and um, and it's it's been really exciting to see how that you know those small efforts that we had kind of developed and grew over time. I learned, I mean, one important thing for me was learning what it's like to be the minority in a country. I'd, I'd never lived in a place um, where I wasn't in the majority, and there was just no way for me to blend. Um, and I think, um, you know, as a Caucasian, short, um, red-haired um, American woman, you know, I would get on the bus and you know, the Koreans would, the kids would be pointing and, and I mean, that's normal. My kids do that all the time too. Um, but I do remember that was really frustrating to me sometimes of like, I'm just a person. I'm just a human. I'm not an alien. Um, but it was, it was a good experience for me to have that, to have that feeling and understand what that felt like. Um, especially, you know, in terms of empathizing with, with other people and, and, you know, how I, as a foreign service officer now, how I work with other people um, that are visiting the United States or when I'm posted abroad to um, just being in that situation yourself is a totally different experience. is produced by The Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Wurst. I'm the director of The Collaboratory. 2233 is named for Title 22, Chapter 33 of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. In this episode, Lauren Garza told us about her experience as a Fulbright ETA, which stands for English Teaching Assistant. ETAs are sent around the world helping foreign English language teachers in their classrooms. 
For more about the Fulbright ETA and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. You can also write to us at ECA Collaboratory at state.gov. That's ECA, C O L L A B O R A T O R Y at state.gov. And please, please think about subscribing to 2233. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks this week to Lauren for sharing her experiences. I did the interview with her and edited this episode. Featured music during this segment was Pling Plong by Jarby McCoy and Cast Your Fate to the Wind by Vince Garaldo. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came. And the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time. <laughs>